Cynthia and I started Fallen Patriots with a mission to provide college scholarships to military children across all the branches who lost a parent in the line of duty. I didn't know anything about business. My dad was a journalist for Cornell and my mom was a public school teacher. As my Southern grandmother always used to say, you catch a lot more flies with sugar than you do with vinegar. Who are you and where are you going? What do you want? Together we'll find the ideal path on the Way to Wow Show with your host, Kevin Bemmel. Making our way to wow is, it's just not a linear process. There's twists, there's turns, and there's transitions that we're gonna have to make. Today, you're gonna meet someone who's made an unbelievable transition from military life to the civilian world, doing dynamic things on Wall Street, and at the same time, giving back to his fellow military members. Stay tuned, I think you're gonna enjoy this. How do you optimize your finances? My guest on the Way to Wow Show this week is David Kim. David is an honors graduate from the US Military Academy at West Point, as well as Harvard Business School. And, you know, as you would expect from the consummate overachiever, he also went to Army Ranger School and Airborne School and the Jungle Warfare Training uh, Program for, uh, for the Army as well. He served as an artillery officer in the 7th Division of the U.S. Army. And then uh, he got out of the Army, and in 1994, he got involved in the private equity business, uh, which he's been in since then. Currently, he's with Apex Partners. He's the global co-head of investor relations. Uh, Apex is one of the leading private equity investment firms in the world. They operate in the United States, Europe, Asia, Latin America, in particular India. And they have raised over $48 billion in capital. And I suspect David was, uh, had, had a hand in uh, <laughs> at least part of that. In addition, David is the co-founder and CEO of Children of Fallen Patriots Foundation, which along with his wife, who volunteers as the program's director, serves the children of our nation's veterans. I'm gonna, we'll talk to David a little bit more about that. David, welcome to the Way to Wow Show. Thank you, good to see you again. Thanks for having me. My, my pleasure, thank you for coming on. So, um, David, you hear a lot, in, at least in uh, military and veteran circles, about the value that veterans can bring to the business world. In, in your case, you have some rather specific training in both the Airborne and, and, and Army Rangers. How did being in those more elite parts of the Army uh, impact your transition into the civilian world? Um, well, I think there are a number of core skill sets that overlap. I think just, just to, before I dive in, I think I just clarify, I graduated from Ranger school, so I was Ranger qualified, but I did not serve in a Ranger battalion, which would be at a whole nother level, but okay. uh, I appreciate the, the thought behind that anyway. Um, but, you know, I think that people from the military, just given the breadth of experience that you have, 
the level of responsibility that's thrust upon you and accountability that's thrust upon you at a very young age for a lot of people in some very dangerous situations and where you know, if something goes wrong, it's, it's, it's on you. Um, and, and I think the, uh, the scope of responsibilities that you have are quite broad, obviously, and operating in some dangerous places and so forth under very tough conditions. Uh, I think it just breeds a certain core competency in, in sort of being able to uh, manage a team and obviously in leadership in being able to work through influence uh, with, with people, both vertically and, uh, and, and horizontally and people within and without the organization you know, people in the military have to work with civilians, not only, you know, military people. So I think it gives you a lot of dimensionality to the skill set. And so civilian employers don't always necessarily understand that because they just so few of them have had any direct military experience. But I think those that that do and that's an increasing number of employers value uh, that, that skill set because they realize that that judgment and character and leadership is much harder to teach than the technical skills that are typically required in a civilian position. That's a lot easier to pick up, but what is really hard to, to, to teach someone is, uh, you know, that, that trust and dependability and, and ability to make decisions in the midst of ambiguous situations. I, I, I agreed. So I want to pick up on something you said because it really plays against the common notion among people who with, without experience in the military, and that is that the military works, you know, somebody gives an order and somebody follows the order, and that's how leadership works. But you mentioned influence as, as a skill that was learned in the military. And certainly as a chaplain, I ordered nobody around. <laughs> Anything I could accomplish was done through influence. Peel that onion for us a little bit. Talk, uh, how, how is it that influence is such a big part of leadership in the military, which which goes against this this uh, you know somewhat of a stereotype, I guess. Yeah, sure. So I think any big organization, be it civilian or military, is composed of many different parts, and and many of which don't report to each other, but they need to work together smoothly in order to accomplish the overall mission for the team. So in my particular circumstance, I was an artillery officer. Uh, so if the infantry needed some artillery called in or a helicopter strike, so forth, that was my job. And I had a team of about six men that we were attached to this infantry company of about 150 men. Now, I had to support that company. I was responsible to the company commander. I had to work with the, his subordinate units, the platoons that were reporting to him. I had people detailed out to, to each of them, and we had to get things done together. And I, I didn't command any of his people. But well, we need to be able to work together smoothly in order to accomplish the mission. And so that's where that influence comes through. You know, you, you sort of, um, you know, you have your rank, but, you know, you really earned your influence. And, and it doesn't matter who you're talking to. Uh, you, you've got to be, you've got to respect where they come from. You've got to try to make an effort to understand where they're, where they're coming from, their motivations, their needs, their desires, and then also what you have to get done and try to find a way to get together as a team. So for, for let's, talk, let's talk about young people for a minute who don't have the benefit of some time in the military, but for whom developing that ability to influence people, how can they do that? Uh, I think it's, for me, I think it comes down to maybe less acquired knowledge than, than, um, than trying to just understand people. Trying to use a golden rule, it kind of comes down to really basic things of, 
look, they have their job. I have my job. They have uh, things that they need to accomplish. They have their own hot buttons and points and, and uh, I'm not perfect. They're not perfect, but how do I kind of give them some grace and try to really understand where they're coming from. And at the same time, I've got to, I've got to accomplish what I'm responsible for accomplishing. And how, how do we do that together? I think if you just come into that, any situation with the golden rule, it's going to take you a long way. As my Southern grandmother always used to say, you catch a lot more flies with sugar than you do with vinegar. <laughs> She's not here, so she can't hear me say this, but my wife tells me the same thing. <laughs> so you, you chose... Uh, Wall Street, uh, specifically private equity, for your post-military career. H how did you come to, to that choice? I found it to be just a career that's incredibly varied because we're, we're, you invest in many different industries. You invest in many different companies. And so it, it, you really don't get pigeonholed in, into one area, number one. So it's, it's quite intellectually stimulating. Um, I thought, secondly, it's, um, it's one that requires a lot, of, a lot of knowledge around many different areas. So um, corporate finance, uh, strategy development, uh, legal and regulatory management incentives, um, you know, how the public markets work. So you have to mar marry up all that knowledge together. And then thirdly, the people element is very important. And, and just because you own a company doesn't mean that the CEO and the management team are going to do what you think is right. You know, it's, it's um, you know, you have to work on it together. And, and they have a very important voice and knowledge set. And so you have to work together to accomplish the objective. And so that part of it also, I thought, fit my own background and, and interests. And, and what, was, what was your path into it? I guess, did you go to Harvard after you got out of the Army or? I did, yes. So I went to... to uh, HBS after I got out of the army and I didn't know anything about business. My dad was a journalist for Cornell and my mom was a public school teacher, taught music. So I knew nothing about the business world. And I just kind of walked around to all these smart people and said, what did you do? And what is that? And what did you do? And what is that? And I sort of heard about private equity and started drilling down on that. And uh, so I think the, the other part that really appealed to me about it is that you're a principal. You know, you're responsible at the end of the day for, for the results to your investors. Uh, you know, if you're a consultant or, or an investment banker, you're more of an agent. It's like, uh, you know, the person who sells you the house versus the person who actually puts their money into making the house a better place. And, and being a principal appealed to me uh, in terms of being accountable for those results. And, and ultimately, we invest money. I mean, people shouldn't forget this. We invest money on behalf of, of pension funds, be they state pension funds, public pension funds, private pension funds, like companies. So we're investing on behalf of retirees. And so uh, the, the money that we make benefits their future. It benefits the taxpayer because the tax base has to pay in less to support those pensions that they're responsible for. And so but that appeals to me as well. In, in, in your case, uh, you have a, 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 an international portfolio is that generally the case with private equity that, that people get an opportunity to, to work you know worldwide? Sure, it, it varies. I think we're, we're among the larger group of private equity investors and many of them invest on a global basis. However, they do it in a different way. And by that, I mean, APAX has one fund that we invest globally, whereas other 
large private equity peers might be investing globally, but they do it through dedicated funds that may invest only in North America, only in Europe, only in Asia. I, I don't think one's better than the other. It's, you know, everyone's got a different strategy and, uh, but, but many of the larger firms are, are doing that. So for the, um, the, the, the person who's in career transition, which I think is a lot of people these days, um, you, you know, you read stories about young people getting out of college who are, you know, struggling to find a job, mid-career professionals who have to pivot, even people in the hospitality industry who really have to look for something new to do. What, what advice would you give, as, as someone who seems to have transitioned and really found his, his metier in life, what advice would you give people in that situation, veterans included, military people included, um, for, for finding that, that next thing to do? I think a couple different levels. One, think hard about what your real skill sets and interests are. I think it's important to be in a career field that you just have a genuine interest in, that you like thinking about it. You're interested in reading about it and talking about it. And you get those little flashes of inspiration, you know, while you're walking the dog, you know, at night, things like that, that, um, you know, if you're, if you're in a career or a job that's drudgery, you can't wait to stop thinking about it. And you're probably not going to enjoy your life nor be very successful at it. So number one, think about who you are. Number two, I'd say, um, just talk to a lot of different people and get, get advice. Uh, try to find out the, the most authoritative sources you can. And, uh, you know, everyone's got an opinion, but not everyone's got a very good opinion. So find the people with good opinions who are in a position to know and ask for their advice. Because as I got into it, I just realized there was a lot that I didn't know. And, uh, and so by asking for that advice, you can leverage the knowledge base of, of a huge number of people. And then thirdly, uh, just make a real attempt to network, but in a very genuine way. You, know, you can instantly smell the difference between someone who's transactional in their intent and someone who has a genuine interest in learning more about this career field, about you know, maybe just taking some time to get educated. And, and again, it kind of goes back to the golden rule. In my opinion, there are no silver bullets. They're just, you know, treat people like you want to be treated and be genuine and, and good things will happen. So unfortunately, no golden golden bullets to offer, but, uh, but I think it just takes a lot of hard work and, and being genuine. I, I, I think that's spot on. And that's certainly what I've counseled the, the military people and the people um, that I've talked to about this subject over the years. So I want to shift focus here a little bit and, and talk about the uh, Children of Fallen Patriots Foundation. What was your inspiration for, for start? Well, first of all, tell us what it does, what you do, yeah. and, and what was your inspiration for starting that? Sure. So uh, my wife and I started it really in honor of a soldier that I served with named uh, Sergeant Delaney Gibbs. He and I were in the same uh, unit that was sent to Panama in 1989 to remove uh, Manuel Noriega from power in Operation Just Cause. And unfortunately, he was killed in the fighting, and that was um, five days before Christmas. And uh, he had a baby daughter due in March, and he was only 21 or 22. So that was a tough one. I didn't know him personally, but he was the only member of our unit that was killed. And I just kept thinking about his daughter and, you know, there are thousands of, of kids like her, but was, who's going to take care of her? You know, how, how, what was going to happen to her? And uh, so many years later, 
Cynthia and I started Fallen Patriots with a mission to provide college scholarships to military children across all the branches who lost a parent in the line of duty. And that includes obviously combat. There are lots of training accidents. Uh, there are lots of suicides, unfortunately, the result from military duty and, and illnesses and things like that. So we thought that was really the best way that we could honor the sacrifice of our fallen heroes because they're gone. What else could we really do? I think what they would want above everything is, is to take care of the people they love most in the world or, or their kids and give them hopefully the bright future that their parents would have wanted for them. Yeah, yeah. So how, how has it gone? What, what have you been able to accomplish with Fallen Patriots? Oh, well, it's gone great, thank you. I mean, people love the military, so uh, I really give all the credit to the, to the great American public who, who really respects what the military does for us. But there are about 20,000 students, children, who lost a parent in the military over the last 35 years. I say about because no one knows exactly how many there are. The government doesn't track it in a comprehensive way. And, um, and so there, there is no central database of students out there. And so that's one of our missions is to find all 20,000 because believe it, or not, believe it or not, no one has ever done that. And so we've made a very good progress toward that. We found half of them so far. And, uh, and so we're, we're looking at trying to close that gap uh, to, to those next 20,000 so we can get them in the system because they're often quite young when most of the times it's dad that gets killed. And so you wanna make sure we get them in the system and then track them for many years and, and be there when they're ready for college. So that, that's the first part of our mission. The second part, of course, is the financial aid. So there are a couple of government programs to help these students. A lot of people um, question, ask about that, but there are, but it doesn't cover the full cost of college. And it leaves a $25,000 a gap for one student for four years of college. So $25,000 ahead for four years of college is, is the gap between government aid and other sources of aid and the cost of college. And so that's what we're here to plug. So the total need is about $500 million, you know, 25,000 times 20,000 students. Um, I'm happy to say that we've been able to provide over $42 million in support to uh, just under 2,000 students at this point. And we have about 800 college graduates, all of whom are debt-free. And so we think that flips a big negative into, into a big positive. So David, um, we're, we're, we're gonna wrap things up here. Tell, um, tell us and the viewers, how can we help you in, in, in your mission for, uh, for the Fallen Patriots Foundation? Yeah, um, well, you know, I'd say a couple different things. One is that um, to help, well, I'll back up for a second. I think the biggest way you can help obviously is donating on fallenpatriots.org. But, but beyond that, I think it's, it's just as valuable to, to get other people involved, to get other people aware of the mission and because everyone I've found, left or right, no matter what race they are, they appreciate what the military has done for us and they give us our way of life. And so getting them involved in our mission would be super helpful to you know, not only raising the money that these students need, but also finding more. So we have on our website a thing called Team Fallen Patriots, where it's almost like a GoFundMe where if you have, you know, you want to set a goal and raise a certain amount of money for your, from your network and get other people to, to contribute and so forth, you can do that right on our website and it's quite easy. So I, I think that's very important. And lastly, I would say that um, it doesn't matter how much you give, the families are extremely grateful for the support. The financial support's important, but just as important 
is the message of support that it sends to the families because they're, they lose a loved one and they think that people have just forgotten about them. They, they have to go rebuild their life. But, you know, they're so grateful. We hear over and over that, you know, all the support just says to them, their fellow Americans will never forget them, always honor their sacrifice and will always be there to have their back. And uh, that just means more to them that, than you can know. So I think this is a particularly appropriate time of year to, to do that. And I think that's that's a good note to end on. Uh, really, an, an, an uplifting note of of, of service to uh, to people who have, as you so rightly noted, help us live the kind of life that we're able to live here in the United States. David, thank you so so much for being a guest on the Way to Wow show today. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate your service. Great to see you. So good of you to join us this week. I hope you enjoyed hearing from my guest, David Kim, and you'll consider helping him meet his mission to identify all 20,000 children of fallen patriots and help them as they make their way to WOW through the Fallen Patriots Foundation. The link is just below in the show notes. Whether you can make even a small contribution or help David and his wife connect with a, a potential recipient, anything you can do will be appreciated. Courage at all times, my friends. Marie, you're still my belle. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.